Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the GM. Come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-around good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is From the Courts of Cush, a tiefling paladin named Akmenis. From the Spice Coast comes a human fighter named Odvik. An elderly knoll from Dabu, a Yamaja cleric of life, Oraki. From Parts Unknown, the Asmar warlock of the Starlight Court, Elbrum. Then there is Captain Deuteronomy's savior, the elf-marked wizard named Kalidus. And last, but not least, from across the Middle Sea is the human paladin named Kalin. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, good people, welcome to the show. In this episode, the Grey Company struggles to return to the village of Neber. There is no shepherd guide. Supplies have petered out. The extreme hot days coupled with the freezing cold nights have demanded an exhausting payment. During those freezing nights, Oraki is plagued with visions of the wandering prophet and a distressed, a beaten, a tortured Princess Karima. Calidus reflects and knows that he might never again see his Rillstone. On the horizon, over yonder, the village of Neber, the savory scent of barbecue wafts on the afternoon breeze. Reserves of new energy are dredged up and the company quickens their step. The village's favorite milk cow is no more. Bah! Ignore that. Where is Captain Bubbles? It is time to hustle. An enormous blast rocks those aboard the Falcon's Blessing Sandship. The vegetation about them starts to wither and die. Caution is thrown to the wind and Captain Bubbles sails through the night. Perbestet's Sandship Harbor greets them in the early a.m. The paladin Kalin fails to lie to Harbor Master Bonita, and Calidus, the wannabe lover, he blows her a kiss. At the pallet court's entrance, the employee Barian, keener than normal for donated blood, he lets them know that all business with the vampires has been suspended. Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Hello, good people of the interwebs. I am back once again to talk about what happened last session with my good friend Mick. Last session, we started out with after you guys had left off, you leveled up. Those who were on level 4 are all level, now level 5. So you're now the same level as Elbrum and Oraki. I didn't want you guys to start out in the town or having arrived back to the village after returning from the Pool of Blood. I wanted you guys to have a moment to have a conversation because out in the cold was a good opportunity and not having the equipment to deal with the cold was a good opportunity for me to do something with Oraki's character 
who has some backstory that is tied to the desert directly. And so this gave me an opportunity to, in Discord, say something to her privately. And apparently she decided that she was going to have a non-game conversation with Elbrum in Discord. And so they discussed what they were thinking about and how they were going to present the information that they wanted to present to the rest of the team. So Oraki wrote a big role-playing thing in Discord about a vision that she was having. And so I started the session off, gave a little very brief introduction as to Fatma has left. You guys are now on your way. It's now the second night away from the from the pool of blood. And Oraki is following the scent, your guys' scent that was getting worse and worse. And she wanted to push through the night, but she couldn't because Akmenes' wings, because he's a tiefling with wings, were getting too cold. So you guys needed to find some shelter for the night. And I decided that I wanted to, because of the cold, I know we we had done a skill challenge where it was getting you guys back to the town safely. And from the skill challenge point of view, when I was looking at it later, I knew that we, we tested about finding water, we tested about finding your trail back to the village, and we tested about the heat, but we didn't test about the cold of the night and what that would mean. So I did a bunch of constitution checks outside of the session just to see how you guys would be affected. No, sorry, sorry. No, my bad. We tested to make sure that you guys were okay for the cold of the night, but for the the heat of the day. So the very last push, the last push wasn't to test against the cold. I did some constitution checks against the heat of the day because I used the Deluxe Oz weather engine in Fantasy Grounds, and it tells me you can, if you've got the longitude and latitude and briefly some basic statistics about the world you live in, which is basically Southlands is Africa. So I've got those statistics. So I could put it into the Southlands engines and it basically says that while you're in the desert on this date, this is what the random generated weather is going to be between these desert types. So I had that. And so the last day was freaking hot. It was, it was 45 degrees. So And you guys had the push to get to the town, so there was going to be some constitution saves there. But before that, it was that night. It was another cold night. Uh, Menace required to keep his wings warm. So you guys are having a camp, and Oraki had a vision. And so we started the episode with Oraki trying to explain to you guys the vision. And I loved that you and Odvik had not read Oraki's soliloquy inside Discord so what I can just assume you did great we're not great discord users the two of us we just sort of like yeah but it was good because I wanted as a communication tool I wanted Oraki to verbalize a lot of it I wanted her like so she put it into the role play channel as text which is fine but I really wanted her to role play it and so I said okay so I gave a very brief introduction to what what happened and I was like and Oraki wakes up and she asks you guys all to come together around the campfire as you're preparing for the day She's got some stuff she wants to tell you. And so she started to tell you that she had a vision about Princess Karima. Mm-hmm. And she'd asked me in a private message. She was like, there was two visions. And I just had a thought. Are they related? And I was like, give me an insight check. <laughs> so she gave me the insight check and it was good enough. All she needed was more than a 10. And I was like, to your question that you asked me out of game, the answer is yes. <laughs> so then she's like, oh shit, they're related. So she had two visions. One vision was she saw Princess Karima and Princess Karima was in a really bad way. She looked like she'd been beaten. She was in a stone room and 
there was another element there that Oraki didn't tell you guys. I don't know if he did or not, and I don't mind saying it, but did he talk about that he had a scent? The vision gave him a scent. I don't know if he said that Doesn't or not. ring a bell. No? Okay. Well, the vision gave him a scent as well. And the other part was he told about the vision changing to be about the wandering prophet. Mm. To him, the big, enormous, dire camel, camel is known as the wandering prophet, but everybody else knows it as the restless prophet. So there was that part of the vision as well, and he explained a little bit more who was the wandering prophet. But he I, he didn't really tie them together very well. So his insight check is he's starting to think that, yes, there's a relationship between these visions. He's not sure what it means. The dire camel and Princess Karima. So he tells you guys about Princess Karima. And after you guys hear about that, what changes? What happens? She's alive. She's alive. From your point of view, was Calidus totally intent on returning to the pool of blood, just resupplying and going back to the pool of blood? No. And it was interesting that I didn't have to actually do anything new. Calidus's position fairly much was that there was no point in going back. I mean, it was just another death trap. And Calidus is of the, of the opinion that we need to go back and report to the council. This is what we found. Give them the blood sample, get that over and done with. And then after that, there's the GFA decision and the Karima decision, which one do you go? And I didn't have to do anything to get to that position because they just got there on their own. Yeah, and that was the thing. With the visions that they were receiving, they decided, or at least Oraki and Elbram had had a conversation and they, they were very keen on returning to deal with Princess Karima. Ultimately, he's had two visions, so I expected him to say something about his visions in the previous session because there was three sessions ago he was missing, Oraki was missing. Hmm. So you guys just played on his behalf and Ekmenes used him to just do a lot of healing of himself. <laughs> yes. But he returned last week, and last week he was just, I think, just anxious to get in that I think he forgot about his visions. Because I, I honestly expected that when we started, before you guys went down there to do anything with the Tuscali, he was going to be like, uh, guys, I've got a vision. Uh, I think we should return. But he was excited to play. And so I, but before this session, I reinforced his vision. Because now he, he probably put it into that where are we in the game context? And is this the appropriate time to bring up the vision? Again, the prioritizing is, is, is still an issue. We are still having this issue about what is the next most important thing that we have to do. So we've got this report back to the appellate court and we have the GFA and we have the Frying Princess Karima. We haven't figured out the, the way to do that. And... When we get further into well, this, and, and the we thing will get is, to the is, point of discussing the fact that the GFA idea just got dropped completely right until the end of the game. At the end of the day, is there really a right answer? And this is like, we were talking about that before, about the, the Good People TV show where you've got the one person standing in front of the yeah, that's the, the train, or the, train. Kill the one or the many. Yeah. Those are yeah. the only options. You kill one or you kill many. What are you, you going to do? You can only choose one or the other. You know, I throw those in. That was the whole point of, of him having a vision. What what are you guys going to choose? It's up to you. You can choose whatever. I think what happens is that we are not remembering or, or not not thinking when we respond to a situation that gets put in front of us about what we already have in the pile of things that we need to deal with. Well, that's we're, right. We're suddenly seeing, oh, my God, here it is in front of us. We need to solve this, fix this, 
go and do whatever has to be done. And so when you look at the Princess Karima versus the GFA, if she hadn't been kidnapped, we were coming straight back to the GFA. Now she's been kidnapped. We haven't discussed the GFA. It hasn't, it hasn't even crossed our minds. And so all of a sudden that one just drops off without any thought. And I think that that's a, that's a decision-making process that we're not handling that well. To me, this is one of the things that is real life and the fact that it's an entire week between sessions and real life comes in and we just forget the little things until we're midway through the session and tick, 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 remember, remember, oh God, maybe we should have done this before. And- I, I, I could actually simplify this by giving like a concrete example. My daughter was out driving around in her car. She got a flat tire and she has to go to work. So now she's got this decision of there's a flat tire and I have to go to work. At what point do I get the tire fixed? It's a real life experience where yes. you have to make two decisions. The tire sits in the back of the car. It's not in the boot or in the trunk if you're an American. And so it's visible. It's always there. So every time she walks past the car, she sees the tire. It's always there. Got to deal with it. You've got to deal with you, Or you've got to remember that there's a tire issue that you have to deal with in real life. And it's whether in real life you actually start ignoring the things and just look only at the, the latest disaster. So, okay, I've got to iron my shirt to go to work. I'll ignore the tire. I'll put the tire in the boot. I'll go to work. And the next day I'll go to work and I'll keep going to work and I will completely ignore the tire and just <laughs> until, until cut it out until I get the next flat tire. And then you'll be like, damn it. I should have, yeah. And it will just completely disappear from memory. And I think that what we're facing now is that situation that lots of people, and I remember when I was young, that was a long time ago, the same thing happened. You would, you would respond to the next thing and forget about everything else, and you would really forget about everything else until all of a sudden it came around and bit you in the bum. Yep, yep, of course. And so we are not, we are doing that. We are responding like that. One of the reasons why I wanted you guys before we start the session was always to have the players regurgitate what happened last session because my thinking is if you guys are responsible for regurgitating, maybe then it would affect your decision-making process. Whereas if I'm regurgitating, yeah, I don't know how many times I've been a player and listening to the DM regurgitate and they try to a do totally a really good job. Story. And some of it sinks in, some of it doesn't. I think the problem there is that if you put this in the in, in just if we use this specific example of the GFA issue and where we are now, there have been four sessions between the meeting with the GFA and where we are now, and so it's not in your previous notes. Your previous notes resp- refers to what happened last week, and and where were you and what you were doing, and so for that reason, it's getting dropped off. And when I went back and did an audit of all of the things that have been dropped off. I have a list of about 60 things that have occurred since day one from reading through my notes that just haven't been carried forward. You know, and, and maybe what I should do then, that being said, is maybe what I can do is instead of saying, let's start an extra half an hour early, we just say, okay, you guys are now in a situation where you are, I mean, it's just you. You could be in your apartment, you could be here. It's, it's, a, it's a 10, 20 minute conversation of you guys just standing wherever you are away from NPCs and deciding what are we going to do? And you just role play it out, and that's the start of the session. This is interesting, isn't it? Because you're now actually modifying the session to role play the component that you forgot that you should have remembered in order to yeah. role play the session that you're yeah. playing. Yep. And I think, well, I understand. I understand that that's the solution. I think the answer. I think if when we get to the end of what we're talking about now, one of those things, one of the things that was on my list, 
actually comes back and, and can get ticked off now. And, and, and so you've got this situation of going, oh, hang on a minute. Should we modify the game to, to, to fix the problem or should we just recognise there is a problem and become better at playing the game? Well, and, and the thing is too, well, it, it, but I think doing that, doing that, role-playing that to do that is not bad because I'm just sitting there thinking about Critical Role with Matt Mercer and that's exactly what they do. Very often when they get together, although it's the four-hour session and ours is only three, the very first bit of what they're doing is usually always just the players. I mean, Matt sits back, listens as the players chat things up, and hell, they could probably chat, those players could probably chat the entire four hours. And then Matt will just be like, he will, as the DM, come in and be like, okay, and now this, now we move down here. So he he's very good at every once in a while, he'll introduce a scene, and he'll do a very pretty description of that scene. And then he's just managing the characters as they move along, but letting them you know, do a lot of things. So his contribution really is reacting as an NPC, doing some introductions, but a lot of it is just the players. And I, I don't know. I think that, why not? Instead of me just instantly bringing you into something, just let you guys... Well, I think if you put this in a real-world situation, say if we were role-playing this, this particular issue, if we, first of all, we have to recognise this is an issue, and then we'd have to figure out how to deal with it. The issue, in, in order to do that, you have to have the time. And if you haven't got the time to do that, but if, doesn't, if it doesn't show up in the game, then you don't have the discussion. So when we look at where do we get time frames in which to do this, we have time frames while travelling on the boat, so we could discuss it then, where you've got a two-hour time frame. I'm hard-pressed to find anywhere else in the game where we, we've actually had a gap where we could do this, a gap well, where and, we and were sitting really, the in a cafe, is... sitting at home. The reality is we're actually taking... A, a nine-month period of time or a six-month period of time, and that's how long we've been playing for, but reality is it represents a week or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing is, it's not a bad thing. When, in the heat of a moment when you're in an encounter, whether that encounter is a battle or whether you're with an NPC and having a direct interaction, in a battle, it's, you can have a conversation, but it's going to take your actions, right? And you don't want to waste your actions. you don't really want to have a conversation about, no. oh, my God, do you remember, did you turn off the iron before yeah. you left home no. this morning? <laughs> have you washed your socks? That kind of thing. Yeah. Good Lord, I didn't wash my socks. i got to leave. You guys deal with this. Yeah, I can't fight with it. dirty yeah. socks. Damn yeah, it. That, that's, that's the end of it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm uninvolved. Sorry, you don't have your cleric. He can't <laughs> heal you because his socks are still too dirty for him to... But yeah, And, the... and so, the, the, so what you've got is the mundane conversation or, well... It's, it's a conversation that needs to be had, but it's not a critical conversation. And it just doesn't get to be had because your life is so full of all of the other things that happen as you go along. Well, in this episode too, there was a moment. Now, I don't know if it was Kaylin or whether Akmenis or Odvik. I think, I think it was actually Odvik who's like, excuse me, Mr. NPC, I, we just like to have a brief conversation over here. And so, I mean, in some cases, depending on who the NPC is, sure, no problem. In other cases, screw you. What are you guys going to talk about? You going to talk behind my back? But yes, you're you're right. You you have to look for those opportunities. And 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 this... we've had this discussion about how do you politely tell the guy that you're standing talking to? Hang on a minute. We're just going away and have a chat on our own. It's it's kind of like sitting there and saying, there are five of us and one of you, and we're all standing in a park and there's no one else around. But we are now going to walk up the other end of the park and have a quiet chat. The person that's left standing there on their own is going to be going, hang on a minute, these guys are screwing me over. Something's going on. And the thing is, too, though, 
there are moments, like you're saying, on the ship there was a moment. At the start of this session, when you guys, I let you guys, I knew that Oraki had this big soliloquy that she put into Discord, so she wanted to chat about this. So, yeah, go ahead, have your chat. And I think, for me, I'm always excited to move things on. And I probably should be giving you guys a little bit more pause for you guys to think and have conversations. And even if you're not ready for it, to let you guys just, you know, have that awkward pause to get you guys going a little bit to, to start role-playing and thinking and talking about that. Because I don't know it's, if, if, it's, if it's that we need the pause. It's about more about the event. Where are we in, in, in the time frame? So having a pause after a battle to have this kind of discussion is, it doesn't occur then. It occurs when you're doing, this is the conversation that occurs when you're actually not doing anything. You're not doing anything. Well, because more often than not, you're reacting. Like even the conversation at the beginning of the session, you were reacting to the vision and you guys were deciding, okay, are we going to go back to the pool or do we go back now? I mean, you we're, clearly we're, did. We're responding to our circumstances right from the from the get go on this particular. Yeah, line. and I mean, you you wanted to return because you wanted to report to the palace court that he had a vision about Princess Karima was just okay. That aids us in getting back. Yeah, just so, reinforces the position of we're going back. Yeah, but big story like looking back. Okay, GFA. What is the politics going on and stuff like this? What's happening? And I, you know, okay. things like the Crimson Poor, the Black Sultan. The real stone, why was it there? And, and the list I, goes I just, on and on and we, on. We need to say... What have we done to Daryl? Where is he? This that, That's why I have a list of 60 things that I've got. And when I prioritise them, I prioritise them in terms of commitments that we have made. So we have the commitment that we have made to the uh, appellate court, and then we have the important ones, which is find Princess Karima, and then we have the unimportant ones, which is where's Daryl? I have to say this outside of that and aside of that was that, because I don't think I said it in our last podcast, but Calidus gave away his Vril Stone, which to me is big, gave it to Fatma, and now you guys have consciously decided that you're not going back to help Fatma. I know you were like, well, the Vril Stone's almost flat, so... <laughs> and you just Interestingly, took... that no one else cared, and, and at the start of this session, I actually had to bring it up and, and mention that, like, yeah, well, real stone's gone. Who cares? And the only person that was vaguely concerned about it was Elbram. Well, because he, he's he, been with you for so long. And this was the thing, too. There was lots of little things that happened in this last episode that dial right back to the very beginning when you started because all of a sudden, you guys, in, in one of your conversations, as you're heading back on the sand ship, you started talking about the Grimalkan Eye, and the guys are like, the what? What? The, yeah. what? what is that all about? We're doing this because of why? So all of a sudden, now they're starting to see a much, much larger picture here, and are like, oh, geez, and I thought we were just having an adventure. I had no idea there was tiebacks. Look, and, and the tiebacks are huge, and, and there was a comment made, even after we'd filled in a whole lot of gaps at the end of it, there was a comment made that there are two blokes in this game, and we got no idea what they've been doing. Yeah, well, And, and Caitlin, we, we, we had thought that we had filled yeah. them in, and when I look back at that and I think about the conversation that we had, we didn't Nobody fill them ever in did. at all the amount of gaps and holes that are left in their knowledge of what we have done previously is enormous. And their questions came purely from the death of a Khan. Oh, well, and, we, and, we're, and, we're getting ahead, though, because there was a point, though, when we were talking about Princess Karima. I, I can't remember if this was on the ship, or it might have been as you guys arrived at the pilot court, but Kaylin was like... I know Princess Karima. I've met Princess Karima. Yes, she's, she's uh, a different knoll. She's very beautiful. But um, I don't know why we're helping her. Why do we care? 
Yeah. Perhaps we should go back to we're back in the town so, and pick up all of these yeah, little bits so, as we go along. Yeah, you, so you guys are at the, you have your conversation, you make this decision, and then there's a huge push to get you back to the village. And Oraki, I explain every once in a while, Oraki asks you guys to stop while she goes sniffing around to make sure she can't catch the scent again and brings you along. And you guys move through the heat of the day. So a lot of you guys suffer fire damage because it's a bloody hot day. So you guys all arrive. You get there and you smell instantly there's a barbecue going on and it sounds like the town is cooking their favorite milk cow. Something has happened. I love that Ekmenis, I think it was Ekmenis and you were like, yeah, we're just, whatever, we're going to go wait on the sand ship. went to the ship and just, we're standing next to the ship like, we've made our minds up, this is where we're We're going. We're going, we're here. Shump was there, the half-orc boy who brought you out was there and he was all nervous because you guys had returned because he thought you were dead and stuff like this, so... The question of where is Shump? Well, there he is. He returned. He he got freaked out because of the explosion and he ran home. Yep. Gimort was there and his wife was there. And I think Kaylin had a little bit of a... Con- yeah, Kaylin probably had the majority of the conversation with the mayor, Gimort. But ultimately, you guys are like, all right, it's time to go. So, which, in fact, I probably will need to do something because I didn't even consider... I took away all of you guys' rations because everybody consumed it. So the only person who's got rations is, Ekmenis like has four rations left, mm. and Odvik has one. That's it amongst yep. the whole party. And it's still going to take you guys a day, a day and a half to get back to, to Perbastet. And I forgot to say, so basically I'm going to have to go in, start a session next week, and be like, well, at least you're in a city now. So no big deal. Yeah, Food so is available. You've got money. Yeah. So we've got our money and that's okay. And we can always eat bubbles. She's fine. <laughs> Captain Bubbles. Captain so bubbles. you get back he, on the he, ship. Here's an interesting thing is that the comment that you just made is we're back in town and Kaylin's having the conversation. It, that the two of us that have been here a long time are now saying next to nothing in the role playing. For me, this is just entertainment to watch the others do it. And I'm probably neglecting the role-playing side because I'm letting them do it and watching it and being entertained. And that means they don't get any feedback or any of the history. And I think that you look at Elbram, his input has dropped off significantly as well. Yeah. So I think the same thing's happening there. I should chat with him personally to make sure that he's happy with that, that he's lost a little bit of his being the the guy who does most of the role-playing. Because between him and you, you guys were... Uh, actually, between you, you, him, my, and Oraki... My decision to do this is conscious. And I'd be very surprised if his decision to pull back is also... I'd be very surprised if it wasn't conscious as well. I think we're doing this deliberately so that the others get to... Have a moment to shine. Uh, uh, to get I, to be involved. Because if we were still there dominating the conversation, they would never get a word in edgewise. And so this is part of the, the bringing them in. And their opportunities to come in will only come, or, or sorry, the easiest opportunities for them to come in will come when there are people that are new, where there are new NPCs. Anything that's got history behind it leaves them as a, oh, who are you? Or where did you come from? That kind of thing. Well, I'm worried now that we talk about it. I didn't even think about it, but now I'm starting to think, oh, hell, is six too many that now some, like you're conscious, but what if some, if it's not conscious for other people, is six too many and now you don't get a time to shine and so it's less fun for you no well i can only speak for myself and the only thing that's happened is that the ludicrous things that elrim and i would do aren't happening but that's because we're not participating so things like we're all running into a changing room to get naked together 
that doesn't happen anymore and we don't get drunk and get thrown out of bars like we used to. But there's also another side of that as well, and that is, that, again, we come back to the... In the early days, these situations were presented to us now. What's happening now is that there is such a, a push to knock off the next thing. Well, not a push, it's more that there is a time constraint to achieve the next goal. If we don't find Karima, she will be dead. The pallid court wants us to deliver the answer. We're already four days late. That'll go down well. The GFA have an issue with Hazi. There's no solution to that. I mean, thinking when you think about that, how do you how do you resolve that? You want us to go back there and tell Hazi he's fired? Yeah, and the army will strike us down and we'll be dead. The conversation about how ludicrous is that going to be hasn't even been had yet. So we're not having this, the relax, not so much relaxing, but we're not having the gaps for the lunacy that we had earlier on. No, no. And if you think about that in real life terms, it's kind of like growing up. You have fun while you're young and as you get older, you get more responsibility and you get less time to be silly. And so this is what's happening. The grey company's reputation is actually pushing it from being a group of people wandering around looking for something to do to being a group of people now that are in demand. And so their opportunities to to do silly things aren't, aren't actually happening. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And the extra characters, it does help me in the sense of, well, it helps me in the sense that there's now two more backstories. And those two backstories have push on those two characters. Whether or not they intend to do something with it, I will keep plugging little bits here and there and, and privately in Discord with regard to everybody's backstories. And the idea is that does it influence you or does it influence the party to do something? Like, for example, the Verlstone, do you guys ever go? I mean, Fatma mentioned that if you wanted to get trained, you've got to go to the state of the Dominion of the Windlords. Is that something that becomes on the book? Does that become relevant in increasing your power so that you can are more prepared to face with you know, the big bad evil guy at the end of the story. And that would be a nice to have if you thought you were going to make it to the end of the story. I think the issue with that is that that gives one person a power and would you go into all of well, that effort to give one person a power just to get to the end? Unless you were given a reason or given something that said, unless you do this, you will not succeed. Well, I would look at it from the point of view of, regardless of who it is, any additional powers that you accumulate are good things to increase your odds of that end encounter. Of course, though, the question is, things are happening because yes. as you're moving along on the sand ship, it's only a day and a half. That night, Captain Bubbles is no longer willing to travel at night because of the circumstances of the previous trip on the way to the village of Neber. So she stops the ship, sets camp. Middle of the night, there is an explosion and Akmenis is on watch. He feels, he sees, he observes through his passive perception that the wind is blowing this way and yet some of the sand is moving along in the opposite direction of the wind. So he decides to wake up Kalin. I think he woke up Kalin, or I can't remember, maybe he woke up Odvik. And then all of a sudden, a pressure wave blast blows past you guys and a lot of the plant life around you dies. Yeah. Starts to die. Doesn't look too healthy. You, Kalin, and Oraki, who have very high wisdoms, I just passive insight. Yes, you guys, it looks to you that this is the exact same disease that you'd seen out by the pool of blood. So I had that planned. If you guys left that first night, there would be that explosion. If you guys went back to the pool of blood, something else would have happened. 
but I was prepared for it, either which way you went. So, and I was, I was really curious to see what you guys did. And you're like, well, I'll bugger that. And so Captain Bubbles is like, you guys are like, well, let's just finish our watch and we'll go back to sleep. And Captain Bubbles is like, uh, yeah, no, um, there's disease, there's death here. I'm not staying here. I don't care what time of night it is. We're going. And so she had the ship going again. She headed out and got you guys back to Perbestat in the mid-morning. And then, of course... And no one cared about the wave. <laughs> no, nobody cared about the wave. And I thought that was interesting because I was really interested to see if you guys were like, well, here's Karima. We've got a report to the pallet court. Oh, my God, something just happened over there. And you guys didn't even discuss. You assumed that it was related, but there was no discussion about what the hell possibly happened. It was just, meh. It just goes on the list of things that are strange and unexplained. Yep. 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 There was a wave went past. We have no idea what that is. Oh, well, put that on the list and we'll worry about it later. And so, again, it becomes this whole thing. No one actually died. No one was hurt. No one was injured. And there were no responses. So Captain Bubbles took you guys back to the Sandship Harbor in Perbestat. You arrived there. There is Pallet Courts Harbor Master Bonita. <laughs> I love how, was it Elbrum who's like, oh, it's your girlfriend. And so there was, oh God, what was it? This was the time Kaylin is talking to Bonita and tells her, she's like, have you guys done it? And he decides, I'm going to lie. And I, I pushed him, I was like, can you lie as a paladin with your oaths? Will that be yeah. you know, against your oaths? And he's just like, oh God. And so this was, you know, what we talked about before. We, yeah, about, we had this conversation before yeah, about what do you do? Do they follow their oaths? And so this was just kind of an entrance. So I, I think I'd like to push it a little bit more with them to say, be on top of your guys' oaths. I can't be. And so... I think he knows, like, he knows well, he that he has check. to be there. And he's, he's, he had he's, check. He's, he's done some role-playing along yeah. those lines. And his issue now becomes, he's, you've just been given the nudge, as, as the conversation we had earlier on, this is the nudge that you give them before you start saying there will be consequences if you yes. don't. Yes. And I guess at the beginning of, we keep reminding him that you're going to get nudged in terms of your oaths. And if you don't live up to them, there may be consequences. And but he'll also get stronger at doing that. And the other thing too is that if we keep nudging him along this path, the other players will be aware that when, you, when he's role-playing, because this was the basis of the conversation we had previously, if you're role-playing the paladin, and you are pissing off the rest of the players, it's because you're doing a good job, not because they, you, you want to be difficult. And it really depends on which oaths you take, because, yes, we have two paladins in our party. One is Oath of the Ancients, and the other is... Ah, crap, I can't remember what Ecumenus is. But the point is, is your power comes from your belief and faith in those oaths. Mm. Diverging from them will be a loss of your power. I like the Oath of Vengeance myself. Oh, I can't. God, I wish I remembered what. Maybe his was what. There was. Some, I, I think it was I one of the new ones that it stuff. was Xanathar's Guide or something. I forget no. which one it came from. Because I think I've said that there's no UA, no Unearth Arcana in this session, so we don't do Unearth Arcana. But anyways, he was deciding whether or not he could lie to Bonita, and then he failed. He tried to do a deception check. He rolled a one. It was terrible. She knew he was lying, <laughs> and she was just like, "Uh huh. All right. Yes, I'm not talking to you." And then Calidus tries to say some things. Oh, I, I love that you blew a kiss at her. <laughs> this was the, this was the, yeah. She, yeah. So she grabbed your, caught your kiss in the air. She crumpled it up and threw it on the ground. I had fun with that. It, it is that, it, it, yeah, there is this sort of mutual respect um, well, with a lot of 
crap thrown in over the top of it. And the thing is, so is she says things to me and 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 she's rude and swears like a trooper, and I say well, the same sort of thing back, to, back at her. I mean, and again, when we go back to what what we started out at, the group was all about building relationships with people so that you can move on from there. We now have a relationship with a harbour master, which means that there is a possibility that in a pinch she will bail us out. Yeah, it's a possibility. And the thing is, too, is, I mean, at the end of the day, when I was looking at her and I created her, I was like, okay, she talks like a sailor. And I know that sailors, they have a potty mouth. It's sailor jargon. They probably and I, it's not a potty it's, mouth. It's, it's just, and I don't know how to talk like a sailor. So in, for me, talking as Bonita, it turns out to be a potty mouth. So she says yeah, fucking uh, shit and ass a lot. but And that's fine. My trying to, and of course it comes across it's, abrasive it's and it's not, yeah. you know, it's, it's my ignorance around the subject of what a sailor jargon would be like. I think it's your, your interpretation of World War II 1950s black and white Hollywood movie. For sure, for yeah. sure. Because at the end of the day, I really don't know. But this is where I'm going to come to. And chances are, this is where when you play something from a point of ignorance, you could actually very easily be offending someone else. And really, that's not your intention, but. I, I, I mean, again, I was, about to, I was about to hit on exactly the same point, that you're, you're still just playing someone, and if you've invented a creature that's offending someone in the real world, it's role-playing something that's mythical. If you're offended by an invented character that's doing something that you don't like, probably best that you don't play the game. True enough. Or you're that invested and you're sitting there thinking, well, my yeah. character is not happy with that. Like, for example, yeah, well, like and, I and remember... Again, if your character wasn't happy with that, if you're role-playing the game, then you would leave. You would say, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to sit here and live in a town, in a city where there are people like that, or I will never go on a ship again, I will not frequent the harbour. That's what your player would do, and they would just draw the line in the sand, I'm not going to talk to that person, and I'm not going to go near them, which would then put a constraint on the team as to, well, how do you deal with the fact that you don't, you don't have access to ships? And the, the other example, though, is, and this was a hard one for me, because when I was playing Abdul Haq, when you guys met Abdul Haq, you were exhausted. You had spent the entire previous day converting the water-breathing spell to, to sand-breathing, so mm. you were working with levels of exhaustion that day. So when you met Abdul Haq, I mean, you just wanted to go, and you were playing that, I'm irritated, I want to go. But this guy is... Some, some, some form, some level of some kind of a boss within the dogs of Bastet. You don't know where he sits. Some people say he's a leader. Leader of what part? Is he the leader of yeah. all the dogs or just a division? Or maybe he's just a leader in the district of the hyena? Don't know. Yeah. You guys don't know that yet. But anyways, my thing is, so this guy is being rude to me as a boss. Well, what does a boss do? And in my mind, that Hollywood part is like, boss doesn't take any flack. He'd kill you. Yeah. But... I was sitting there thinking, okay, is this plot armor or not? And I was sitting there thinking, well, you guys told him that there was treasure there and he was interested in the treasure. Now, he wasn't aware of your guys' affiliation with Princess Karima, but he was also, Elrum had his Freudian slip and mentioned that, okay, you can have the treasure, but we'll get whatever's left, implying there was something else. Mm. And then he's like, hmm, something else. So I was like weighing, okay, how much does his greed overwhelm his, I'm pissed off because I've been embarrassed. You know, where does that sit? Again, if it's 1950s Hollywood, greed wins every time. Yeah, well, ultimately that's why you guys ended up getting, that was, you guys had asked for some half plate for Oraki. And so what did she get? Well, she got Crimson Nib half plate. Because there's nothing better than Crimson Nib. 
But I mean, the other thing though is, at some point, you guys had used Onka, and she was going to go in there. She went in there with you as the thief. She wasn't the thief. No. Even though she was playing that up as pretending to be the thief, but then all of a sudden she was just yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm not going back in there." And so what she does is the next time she sees you guys, is she's like, "Well, here's some thieves' tools," and yeah. she gives some really badass thieves' tools, which Elbrum ends up using. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's building relationships. Yeah. So. The result Went with on the Harbor wolf. Master Bonita is she's like, yeah, you guys go to the pilot court on your own dime. And so we do. And so you guys do. So she, she walks away, and you guys head out. You grab an earth sled, and you head to the pilot court. It still remains closed. You're walking across the bridge to enter the pilot court, and you get to the, the kiosk where the volunteer your blood. And Barian is there, and he's like, oh, hey, what are you guys doing? And he lets you know that, in fact, the pilot court, although it's closed, there's not a, a vampire available mm. during the day. So previously, you'd been able to go in there in the day. Yeah. You knew that Ahit, who you've dealt with a couple times now, you found out that, well, hey, she can stand in the sunlight, which is strange. But her companion, the lawyer or the diplomat for the pallet court that had been talking with Zero, who was the lawyer for the GFA, mm. he was reacting to stay away from it. But he was still awake during the day, but he did not want to be in the daylight. He tried to stay in the shadows. Yeah. This time around, I, I hoped that you guys caught that Barian was basically saying there's no vampires available. You got to, yeah, you got yeah, to come back in the evening. He was saying that, yes. I mean, and we did specifically say, can we talk to our heat? And the answer was, no, you can't. Well, she's not available. She's not, well, she, she wasn't there. But the other thing you guys, I, I don't know, did it come across, did anything else come across in that conversation? Because I think I mentioned something about, I don't know, he asked you guys about whether or not you... He asked a few times if you guys would give up blood. No, I think he only sort of asked once. What, how did you guys... We really didn't even notice it. It, it. it was one of those things you can ask us, do you want to give blood? No, we've got a job to do. This is it. No, I can't remember. And, and I, thought, I, I got the impression we only got asked once. So it wasn't as though he no, was pushing for it. I was trying to push for it because I was, I was hoping that you would raise a question. So I don't think then I, I brought it up as good as it could be brought up. but you did, you did, at the end of it, pass a comment which almost implied that they were running out of food and they were starving to death and that this was something that had been put upon them by the council rather than... Okay, than, all right, good. Than, I'm, I'm glad that, that did that come that across because that was... My intention was to make sure that... It wasn't strong. It was as though their situation was not of their own making at this point in time. Yeah, and and that's what I wanted. That 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 is how I wanted to come across. Again, trying to present something without outright telling you guys something, let you guys work some stuff out, because would they willingly say, "Yeah, we there's not enough blood on the bloody island"? It would be a lot more subtle, from my point of view. So I didn't want to out and out say it, but I'd hoped that through those conversations, at least that's what came across. So I'm glad that well, Khaled has picked it, it up. Didn't, yeah, but again, it, it, on the list of things, it scores a one, 10 being high. But it's, it's, it's not, not at all significant. Mean, why wouldn't it be significant? Because not. Well, why did, to me, I think it would be super significant because, well, why did the pallet court get closed? The pallet court's always closed during the day. No, it's never closed. Every time we've been there, it's been closed. No. When we go there during the day, it's always been closed. And at night time, it's open. No. The last time we went there during the day, there was the guy standing up there with a sign saying pallet court's closed, and it was during the daytime. It was during the daytime, but this was the first time the pallet court has ever been closed. Now, I had thought that you guys 
Well, had I don't know how many times you've it. been to the pallet court, but I've been to the pallet yeah. court a lot. And every time no, I go I... to the pallet court during the daytime, it's closed. Yeah, so during if the you daytime. go to the pallet court and it's open, that's probably because you're in charge of the game. That's because, well, in fact, you guys have only gone there three times. The first time was yeah. during the ball, which was in the that's evening. Right. Second and the time second we time there, was, was during closed. the day. It was closed, but you could go in. It was closed. And the, and the, and third, the third time, time it was, was during closed. the day and it was closed, and this time you couldn't go in. So or, or you could go it? in, but there was just nobody there. Yeah, so what's happened? Well, he said you can't go in. So we see it as being closed or open. It's either. So we see it as being closed during the daytime. So. Pallet court's closed during daytime. That's fine. But and, and if the pallet court's having an issue, then, again, it, was, it just sits as a number one. It's not a high priority. It's not, it's not like Karima's so, gone missing. And to me, then, that, the that's list a, of, I feel that's a failure on my part because one of the drivers was, why was the pallet court closed? And I thought I had explained it at some point. I, think that, that what ha- I don't think that you're seeing where we're sitting. No, cl- which clearly is not, the, because to me, the pallet court... Our series court, of priorities, e- even on the... If you take the important list that we've got, which is going to be report back to the pallet court, find Karima, and then deal with the GFA, this would still come in fourth. Well, and the thing is, and to me, we're not going to worry about what's coming. The in closure fourth. of the pallet court was tied directly to the pool of blood. They were closed because eventually the council of sand was like, "Yep, yeah, no, there's too much suspicion going on about this." Mm-hmm. So you guys are closed until it's been proved otherwise. But from our point of view, the closure of the pallet court is simply a case of pallet court's closed. There's no one there. They're all off sleeping. They'll be available tonight. When we come back tonight and get told the pallet court's closed, then it'll be, oh, okay. And at that point in time, then its position of being fourth in the pile could change. What I think will happen is that if we came back back tonight, well, because... Again, we've been before and it's closed, and we see the pallet court has been closed. They're vampires. They're not going to be there during the day. They'll be sleeping. They'll be unavailable. And when you said that she's not available, it's not that. It's like, yeah, you've come in the middle of the night. She's not available. She's sleeping. Go away. Come back tonight. Mm. And so when we come back tonight and find out it's closed and find out that it's closed permanently, that'll be different. Mm. You then end up with the pallet courts closed. We're four days late. Yeah, because you guys haven't come there in the evening to see whether or not it's still got the, the illusion that says closed on it yet. Yeah, That's right. But, you, even, you if can't we come back, but even if we come back just to throw a spanner into what's going to happen next week, we come back tonight and we find the pallet courts closed, we will immediately go to we're five days late. It's closed. And if it's been closed by the council, mm. we're five days late. We were bringing the proof back. It's been closed by the, the council. We're too late. That's the end of that one. Tie it up in a bow, throw that one in the bin. That's a failure. We didn't well, come back in time. They didn't get what they wanted. We're not going to go hunting. We wouldn't go hunting to find the members of the pallet court to give them the evidence that we've got. We'll take the vial back, stick it in the, in the, in the unit, and it'll sit on the shelf along with all the other stuff that we're going to sit on the shelf. And, and then we will go off and do GFA or do Karina. People of the interwebs, are you thinking, Damn it, man, is this an abrupt end of the episode? Yep, you are right. Indeed, this episode is definitely not finished and has been sundered, split in twain. But there's a light. Return in just one week. Our discussion will be concluded. Until then, bye-bye.